The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you you for joining us today. I am very glad that you're listening, that you are a part of the Spirit of Recovery community. And uh, I also want to thank you so much for uh, posting on our Spirit of Recovery Facebook wall, for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook, and for interacting with us. And we had some great interaction going on today with my guest, Lisa Henson. So thanks so much for uh, participating and for sending me emails and letting me know how it's going for you in your spirituality and recovery walk. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, all of your spiritual communities everywhere that you walk, let a, let Thank you for letting them know about us here on Spirit of Recovery on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And I am very glad to uh, hear that what we're doing here is making a difference for you, that it's inspiring you, that it's informing you, that it's giving you some good energy to continue to go forward in all that you're doing in your life. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to broadcast here on the topic of recovery and spirituality on Unity Online Radio. Every week we have topics that are important to the recovery community. I bring guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And the guests are bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know that you can listen to Unity Online Radio and Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live via your uh, computer, via your smart device. You can listen to um, archives on demand by going to www.unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery. And if you are so moved to financially support the programs that you hear on Unity Online Radio, and we are a nonprofit organization from um, Unity at Unity Village near Kansas City, know that you can make it, uh, we've made it very easy for you to support the network financially by using your smartphone. You can make a one time gift or a recurring contribution. Simply text Unity Radio to 722. 727 from your smartphone, and you can also help to support this great programming of a variety of programs. I want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place, so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of someone who has the disease of addiction, whether or not you or they are in recovery, and you know as a family member and friend, there are certainly recovery opportunities as well for you um, to learn and to grow. Whether you're a friend or a family member, whether you are uh, have the disease of addiction yourself, whether or not you're in recovery, whether or not you're just curious about recovery and spirituality, you are welcome here um, on the Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're listening, and you're welcome to um, ask a question or make a comment via email or uh, via the phone if you'd like. To, if you have a comment or question for my guest. 
Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And uh, 33 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of my personal growth and spiritual development. And my walk continues to be an integration of unity principles, recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing in ever deeper and richer ways. So, again, I'm very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity um, to share these ideas with you, to bring you great guests, and to hear what you're experiencing in your recovery and spirituality walk. Our topic today is Building Pride, Recovery, in the LGBTQ community, and, and uh, we're going to be talking today about some of the unique challenges that people in that community face in recovery. We know uh, too well that societal attitudes have for way too long burdened the LGBTQ community with isolation and with shame and confusion, and uh, so that brings, again, some unique uh, perspectives when folks get into the recovery process or when uh, that's something that they need to get into or would like to. So today, uh, the good news is that people in the LGBTQ community are claiming the right to supportive, understanding resources that uh, do address particular issues that are relevant to that community, and these resources build the foundation for long-term recovery. My guest today is Lisa Henson. She is a licensed chemical dependency counselor. She has over 15 years of experience in the substance abuse and mental health field. She is the immediate past president of the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals, and currently she is the clinical representative for Starlight Recovery Center, which is, I think, the oldest um, original recovery center in Texas, and she can tell us a little bit more about that. Lisa is also certified in ARISE, which is an interventionist program uh, for families of those people that have the disease of um, substance addiction, and she is also a certified offender educator. Um, she's a, known as a, um, a presenter to professionals across the country in the area of uh, treatment programming and um, supporting uh, clients in their recovery. Also, um, Lisa shared with me that in the past, before she got into the counseling field, she was a talk radio host, so it'll be good. We'll hear a little bit about that today. She was in news and talk radio for several years. Uh, She's going to be sharing with us lots of great ideas for uh, supporting recovery in the LGBTQ community. So, Lisa, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Well, Anna, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm I'm honored that you asked me. Um, I just wanted to make a clarification. Actually, my past presidency was with the Dallas chapter um, of of TAP in Texas. So um, it wasn't the state chapter. It was our our local Dallas chapter. And and my talk radio experience is actually, um, I I was a host for a short period of time, but most of my um, work happened behind the scenes. I was an executive producer. Um, and so uh, I was over um, a couple of radio talk shows in the, in the DFW market. And um, basically what that looked like was um, getting guests on, answering phones, putting people on the air, screaming. And um, it was in conservative news talk. So that, right. was, that was definitely an experience. It was definitely an experience. I bet. <laughs> it adds to the richness of your life. That's cool. Thanks I for telling us. It completely. It was, it was great fun. I bet it was. So, Lisa, um, we've got lots to talk about today, but can we start off with you telling us a bit about your own story? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, uh, like you, um, was brought into recovery uh, 25 years ago, and um, I'm very blessed and grateful to be in recovery today. Uh, There were many challenges that I faced um, getting into recovery and um, staying in recovery and finding a safe space for myself in recovery. Um, about four years into my uh, recovery, um, I decided to come out of the closet. And, and part of that experience was supported at the place that I was in by my friends and family at that time um, in such a way that it was safe enough for me to do that. And I felt that that was the truth of who I was. And what I've learned um, in my path and in my walk is that recovery is really about living 
in my truth and being as authentic as I can possibly be at any given moment. Uh, and that is that definitely does present a challenge because of uh, the way that um, I have been viewed in certain in certain circumstances um, and in uh, the way that I know that I have felt discriminated against. And yet, at the same at, at the, in the same breath. Um, I'm grateful that what recovery has given me is an ability to have a relationship um, with a God of my understanding uh, and to have compassion um, for those people who uh, I put, that have discriminated against me, that who don't think the same way I do, who have fear around who I am in, in our community um, and, and don't have an understanding of it um, <laughs> and basically contempt prior to investigation. And I think that that is one of the greatest challenges that face, um, you know, the LGBTQ community and, and, and all of the people that are in that community. Right. It's like, um, like you said, you, you brought both sort of sides of that. It's like, on the one hand, having to, um, in some ways, dig out from under a mountain of a societal attitude and on the other hand, uh, which is really the other side of it, is really having the opportunity to deal with one's own resentments when one's victimized. Uh, usually we have a few resentments. I know about that. Um, and, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's about the op- recovery does bring that opportunity to, to uh, develop a different attitude and, and find some real power. Yep, it's a bit important. It's really a big deal. So, it is um, a big deal. And I ahead. think um, not... I, I, not only to be um, to find our own healing, but to be empowered um, to stand in the truth of who we are, uh, and not let other people's um, opinions or I, I know personally sometimes my need for um, affirmation or acceptance has led me to um, minimize who I am or not uh, tell the truth by the sin of omission, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was afraid of what people would think of me. Um, and today, that's just not really an option anymore. That's just not an option. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been blessed with a, um, a full life and, um, and a message to share, as, as so many of us in recovery have to share. And, you know, what, however I can do that is what, you know, I, I think that I'm called to do, as many of us are. Right. I'm going to... Ask us now to sort of back up a little bit to the whole concept of um, of pre recovery, and then and then we'll come back as the program goes on today and hear obviously more about what happens in recovery and more of your own story. But um, what, Lisa, are some of the challenges in the LGBTQ community um, pre recovery that might be barriers or might be uh, issues that would make getting in recovery a difficulty? Um, well, I think shame is, shame is one, um, fear, uh, and, uh, lack of resources that understand, uh, what somebody in the community might be dealing with, either in terms of, um, relationships and how, uh, relationships look and what healthy relationships look like and, um, for a, for a system for a treatment system or a therapeutic system not to automatically go on assumption or uh, take a heterosexist view of what mm-hmm. that might look like um, because I think that happens quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, in, when you look at relationships, it's like you have same, a same-gender relationship, but yet you have people who might try and put a very um, heterosexual traditional roles within that relationship, and that may or may not be true. Um, you know, I think it's always important to, uh, you know, for people who don't understand it to ask questions because that way you'll, that way you'll get a much more accurate picture instead of moving on an assumption. Um, trauma, and mm-hmm. trauma looks different um, for different genders, um, you know, and, and, how the, and how a gender, how a gay man or a lesbian um, might respond to trauma and what is specific to those um, genders and how those are treated. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that what we see a lot of is in the community, one of the safe places that over the years that people have had to gather is in bars, is in, mm-hmm. um, is in environments in which there is um, a lot of alcohol present, there are a lot of drugs present, 
um, and the attitudes around what is healthy interaction or social interaction, um, just because of fear of, about you know our safety, our physical safety. Um, that that is where we've done a lot of socialization, and I think that is um, targeted marketing, uh, and, mm-hmm. and that has done a lot to foster the idea that, you know, in order to have a good time, you have to drink a lot, or in order to have a good time, you have to go into a bar, um, or you have to get high. And, you know, there's just a, a, but I think a bulk of it is is shame about who we are, whether that's shame that um, we feel because uh, we're still in the closet, whether Mm -hmm. that is shame from um, internalized homophobia, um, Mm -hmm. or just fear that if we are found out in recovery about who we are, because when we get into recovery, it becomes very difficult to live a lie still and, mm-hmm. to stay, um, and, and, and to stay in a dark space uh, if we want to grow and change without relapsing or going back into old behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so uh, also just lack of resources. People do not necessarily understand that family of origin isn't always going to participate in treatment. It mm-hmm. might be family of choice participating in treatment. Um, and if family of choice is not accepted within that support system, um, then there's, all, there's too much isolation that will happen for that person seeking recovery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? And so those things tend to isolate us anyway. Addiction, is, addiction isolates us to begin right. with. Yet if we are isolated within our sense of self um, or we are put into... Um, an isolated state or an unsafe place, then, or we're rejected for who we are or who we love, then all that does is reinforce all the negative assumptions, the thinking, the ideas that we have about ourselves, that we end up thinking, well, you know, really, I'm not worth having the life that I want to have, or that I may not be worth having recovery, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly damaging. It's another problem. Right. You know what I'm wondering, just share with me, this is going to be a general, probably unanswerable question, but um, are there any uh, strides forward or not, um, do you think, for people in the LGBTQ community in terms of uh, recovery being more uh, welcoming, more uh, safe than it used to be? And if so, um, how is that happening? And if not, what do we need to do? I know we need to do more. Anyway. Uh, um, well, to, to answer the first part of your question, yes, I would say so. And I think part of that is the social attitudes, societal attitudes that are changing about, um, you know, the LGBTQ community in general. I mean, t- today's, today's, you know, younger generations do not have the same stigma attached to being gay as even 15 years ago. So there are, um, I mean, as we can see, you know, there's, uh, the, the movement has, has made tons of progress by leaps and bounds. And there's still a lot more progress that needs to be made, but we are um, better, we're in a, you know, when I talk to a lot of, you know, LGBTQ community members in recovery, and even not in recovery, they say they think we're in a better place than we ever have been socially. Um, right. And there is a much more of an awareness around, I think, just at a social level of the community. And because of that, all of the issues that go along with, you know, drug abuse and substance abuse in our community. Um, I mean, Dave and Hold on to that thought. To it's time for our break. Okay. Um, we'll be back. Um, my topic today is building pride, recovery in the LGBTQ community. My guest is Lee. Henson. Lisa is a licensed chemical dependency counselor, um, is a certified interventionist, and a past president of the Dallas uh, Texas Association of Addiction Professionals, and currently is a clinical representative for Starlight Recovery Center. And she's sharing with us uh, great information about building pride. And so we'll be right back. Stay with us. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. 
What if you could transform your finances and energy level? Go from lack to loss, from low energy to high energy. What if it only took five minutes every day? Would you do it? Shift your patterns by listening to Jane's daily inspiring and life-changing messages. Join her global community online at www.ultimateprosperityplanners.com. Prosperity Jane, your personal prosperity cheerleader. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. For listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host. If you're just joining us, our topic today is Building Pride, Recovery in the LGBTQ Community. We're talking about the unique challenges that uh, people in that community face in recovery and uh, the the opportunities that are there uh, for uh, wonderful recovery experiences. We are also, uh, I just want to make a note that this is recovery month. September is recovery month. So I hope that uh, all of you are participating one way or the other in celebrating recovery. There's lots of stuff going on in, I think, every state and nations around the world. So celebrate recovery in September. My guest today speaking with us about building pride, recovery in the LGBTQ community is Lisa Henson, and uh, she is a licensed chemical dependency counselor with uh, lots of years of experience and uh, lots of wonderful experience in this field. So in just a moment, Lisa and I will be back to our conversation. But before that, I invite you to join me in a moment of quiet, a moment of meditation called the Serenity Minute. So please uh, be aware of your breath, allow yourself to relax, and share with me this constructive idea. I am a beautiful expression of God. I deserve a delightful, full life. I am a beautiful expression of God. I deserve a delightful, full life. And now we take just a moment in the quiet. for joining us in the Serenity Minute. I trust that it was an opportunity for you to make conscious contact with your higher power and to know that indeed you are a beautiful expression of God and deserve a delightful and full life. 
Now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Lisa Henson, Licensed Chemical Dependency Counselor, Clinical Representative for Starlight Recovery Center, past president of the Dallas Association of Addiction Professionals, and uh, lots of experience with supporting people in recovery. So, Lisa, uh, before the break, you were telling us about um, the good news of societal attitudes beginning to change toward the LGBT community, and so that's being helpful. Um, tell us if you would, uh, if a person is looking for treatment that is um, attuned to these specific issues, that is uh, open and supportive of this community, what do they need to look for? What are characteristics to find a good treatment um, for LGBT people um that, that's a great question um I, i'm sorry i was still back in back in your affirmation that was a wonderful affirmation thank you um uh, the you know people a, a facility that has a philosophy and a curriculum for understanding and encompassing and embracing um lgbtq the community the relationships understanding that uh, the different um, family structures that we may have um, and including um, members of the family, um, whether by choice or family of origin, incorporating them into the family programming, those types of things. Understanding um, that uh, in certain types of relationships that um, roles may look different or they, they may not be any roles at all, that things do not um, follow along a traditional uh, heterosexual norm, that, you know, there's not, that there's not a norm, that the relationships that we build are ones that we get to define how they best fit for us. And mm-hmm. respect that, because that is a huge component um, of, you know, living out in the world. Mm-hmm. Our relationships are not going to look like, um, a clinical a clinical person may think they should, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely that's definitely one part. Um, they have to have a good trauma focus. Um, being able to deal um, with the different types of trauma that are experienced. Um, being able to understand that you know the same things that we want in our relationships are the same things that um, other people want in a relationship. We want to have safety. We want to have trust, intimacy, um, healthy sexuality. Uh, and, you know, there, there can be an um, understanding that, you know, we also experience the same types of process addictions in terms of, um, you know, spending, gambling, um, you know, intimacy disorders, uh, codependency, sex addiction, all of, having an understanding of all of these things. Um, you know, understanding the grief, you know, and it might be the grief of the loss of our families of origin um, if they are not a part of our life and being able to process through those types of things. Um, Finding safe places to uh, build peer support. These are all issues that are relevant in our community that are relevant across the board in recovery. Um, I think that where we focus on, though, is that we are in same-gender relationships and what that means to us and what, how we express that. Because sometimes the way that we express who we are um, doesn't look like other people think it should. You know, and that, that is okay um, as, long as, you know, as long as in recovery we're doing it in a healthy way that's not damaging to ourselves and to, the, and to others in our lives. Um, right. So I think understanding those things... Um, you know, uh, and embrace, and for the, for the curriculum to embrace that is to embrace our diversity because we are diverse. Um, whether as, as just as, a, as, as human beings, we are completely diverse. Um, and also understanding that as a, uh, as a therapist or as a clinician that, um, and I, and I say this as a therapist and a clinician, that if there is a conflict for you in, um, working with somebody from the LGBTQ community, then um, that's something that you need to address on a professional level, you know, and not try to change somebody based on who you think they are, because that does happen. You know, people (laughs) do get um, confronted with that within themselves. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so that, that that the staff that is giving within that, within that treatment system, um, it has a, has a, a good encompassing 
and embracing attitude toward diversity. They have to. It's, it's paramount. Because if not, what, what can potentially end up happening is a person goes to treatment um, or they seek some sort of assistance and they end up feeling more isolated and more alone in their attempts to respond to a recovery lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So those are, um, again, you know, it's trauma-informed care. It is an open, culturally diverse system that embraces, that embraces our diversity. Um, somebody who has understanding of, of LGBTQ relationships, um, and, and not only gay and lesbian, but bisexual too, um, mm-hmm. you know, and understands also transgendered and questioning and queer. All of those things need to, that, that that staff and that curriculum needs to have an understanding of those things. And that first and foremost, that it is a completely safe environment. That that environment is a safe place for that person to express whatever stands in the way or whatever their challenge is to recovery. Whatever the obstacle may be, whether that's in an individual session or in a group setting, that they are free to express how they need to and do it without fear of um, prejudice, without fear of any retaliation, without any of that. Mm-hmm. And um, that can happen in um, facilities that are completely LGBTQ community. That's it. Um, and that can also happen in mixed, um, in mixed communities and facilities where there is LG- members of the LGBTQ community and also members of the heterosexual community. Right. But that it, but that any form of prejudice is not tolerable at all. There's a zero tolerance for that. That, that is so, uh, obviously so essential. Let me ask you this, Lisa, when somebody is wanting, you know, when they're getting ready, maybe to go to treatment, they're just trying to enter or even just getting ready to go to a, a support group, a 12-step group or whatever, and they're entering, obviously people are in such a vulnerable, distressed state at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's hard for people to, how, how can somebody in the a state of distress such that they're ready to go get some help, how can they ask these kinds of questions of a treatment place or a, or a support group? What's going to help them to stand up for themselves enough to say, these, you have to do this when they're in the midst of their distress. How can they do that? What's going to help them? Um, well, if they have uh, supportive um, friends and family in their life, um, I mm-hmm. definitely encourage them to include them in the process of looking for treatment. Um, because, some, because what family and friends can do is that they will know the challenges that that individual is going to face, and they can help um, walk them through asking those types of questions and um, having those questions answered um, in, in a compassionate and uh, in an honest way. Um, so, you know, the, some of the things they need to look for is that do, do they have experience with the LGBTQ community? How do they handle um, family, including family within the family programming, if the program um, has that as part of their curriculum? Um, will, do they have counselors that are comfortable um, working with uh, me and my spouse, me and my partner, um, and uh, what that looks like. You know, I have children, and, and how can they be involved in this process? You know, all of those things are important. Do you um, do you do grief work? Um, what if somebody, um, you know, says something derogatory towards me or they threaten me? because mm-hmm. of my, my sexuality. How do you handle that? Do you, does that even happen in your facility? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, typically what I, I, would, I would tell people is look for, um, for family that might be uh, looking for um, specific treatment is that look and see if they mention LGBTQ um, in their uh, information. Do mm-hmm. they have groups that are specific to LGBTQ? Um, do they include family in their curriculum? Um, what types of issues do they work on? Do they um, do trauma work? Do they understand trauma? Uh, those are all central issues. Those are all central issues. Okay, that's great. Those are some really good, good, good tips. Now, I, I know you've mentioned trauma several times, and certainly trauma is a factor in lots of people's lives, a factor in lots of recovering people's lives. 
are tell us if there's specific ways uh what the specific ways are that trauma is a factor for uh lgbtq people and what and what again might they be needing to look for in terms of addressing that well the reason i mentioned trauma is because so many of us um whether in recovery or not have experienced some form of trauma um, i mean we're all familiar with ptsd um and you know have a general idea because it's talked about so much. Um, but when I talk about trauma, it's, it's not only what we tend to think of as traumatic events in childhood um, that might, you know, stem from, um, you know, different types of abuse um, and abandonment, but also, um, or, you know, being victims of violent crimes, things like that. But also um, the trauma of bullying because of orientation, um, mm-hmm. which we know for 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 young people um uh it and and you know across the board um you know our community experiences higher rates of of suicide because of um isolation rejection from family um being disowned by family um abuse in the church you know and i'm not, and I'm certainly not saying by any stretch of the imagination does um every every uh faith do that. Uh, yet there is, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people will look for some healing and connection for their spiritual understanding within a church community. Yet be told that they're going to, um, they're sinning and they're going to burn in hell. Uh, yes, and yes. that's the one place that they may feel the safest to go. And there's no uh, acceptance for them there. That can be a form of trauma. Um, mm-hmm. You know, higher rates of domestic violence in relationships. You know, and, and that's another challenge is what does healthy, healthy sexuality look like for us um, and having a, having a healthy self-image, uh, setting boundaries around our behavior, uh, and having healthy relationships. What does that look like? You know, a lot of times when you have any, somebody who's got a relationship and they go into treatment, their partner or significant other spouse um, may be engaged in the treatment process, um, and yet... After that person comes home, the dynamics of the relationship are going to in- inevitably change. And so how do we work our way through uh, what our relationships used to look like and what is healthy look like now? And there are times, um, I have worked with clients in the past who have stayed in unhealthy relationships or abusive relationships into recovery because of the isolation that they would feel about being alone because they have no family, their family, um, no family of origin, their family of choice is not a health is not a healthy system. Um, and so they are very much of the mindset that, you know what, I'm in recovery. I'd rather be here and not alone than be alone. Mm-hmm. And so that's a challenge. They may, they may, you know, stay in an unhealthy relationship or in an unhealthy situation just so they don't have to be isolated and alone, which is a huge relapse trigger for people. For sure. Yeah, really. Tell us a little bit about that, about um, the whole, about dealing with relapse triggers uh, in the LGBT community. Are there any specific factors that need to be addressed or that are important? Um, What about uh, that? Well, I think um, one of those, again, is um, healthy relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. I encourage um, all couples who are new in recovery, whether one or, bo- or both are seeking um, a recovery uh, foundation, um, go to therapy. Find a good therapist uh, and go to couples therapy. And, um, for, and, and look for somebody who uh, is familiar with new couples in recovery, in, in, new, in early recovery, and um, know that it, it's okay to maybe take a break. That doesn't mean that you're going to be apart forever. Um, it just means that maybe you might need to just have a little bit of a break so that you can um, focus on yourself. And mm-hmm. um, but definitely do some do some in, you know couples therapy um, to learn how to um, build some skills and practice those so that uh, you can both um, be individuals and come together and share your lives with each other instead of um, creating a, you know a, an unhealthy bond or a need that's not based um, in something that is loving and mutually respectful. Um, because, you know, we, we, when we're not in recovery, we put up with a lot of behaviors that are no longer acceptable when we get sober. You know, so learning, learning how to say no is a good thing. Um, and 
you know, being able to, um, because we don't get sober to live unhappy for the rest of our lives. You know, the, the promise, one of the promises and, and the hope of recovery is that, as you talk about in the beginning, is um, we're constantly developing and, and, and living differently and finding joy and, and learning how to appreciate and enjoy our lives without being disconnected. I mean, we connect. We are now not only connected to a God of our understanding, but we're also, um, or spiritual understanding, but we're also connected to ourselves and to other people in a much more intimate way than we have been before. And so um, learning now not to take that too fast and, and be in a support system that supports you where you are, you know, changing old behaviors. Um, Hang on to that. It's time for our break, but we'll be right okay. back. Um, and continue our conversation about relationships and about being present um, and connected with life. Our, uh, my guest today is Lisa Henson, licensed a chemical dependency counselor and, and working with uh, people in recovery for over 15 years. And we're talking about building pride recovery in the LGBTQ community. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Reverend Paulette Pipe's voice has been called mesmerizing, the sound of spirit expressing in soothing honey tones. If you're one of the loyal listeners who tune in each week for her program, Touching the Stillness, you already know the power of her meditations. If her programs leave you wanting more, purchase one or both of her meditation CDs, Touching the Stillness, her first CD, and the newly released Resting in Stillness. This latest CD combines Paulette's alchemic voice with an original score by pianist Kelly Hunt and will transport you to a place of divine peace. Enliven your meditations with Reverend Paulette Pipe as your guide and take her soothing voice and peaceful presence with you wherever you go. Get your copy today. Go to www.unity.org and then click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop at the top of the page. At Metaphysical Wrong 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome. Topic today, if you're just joining us, is Building Pride, Recovery, and the LGBTQ Community. And my guest is Lisa Henson. Lisa is a chemical dependency counselor with over 15 years experience in the treatment field. And uh, she also is uh, just got lots of experience working with families and um, all kinds of stuff and is also in recovery herself and is a lesbian. So she's sharing that with us today and all that she knows about it. So uh, we were talking before the break, Lisa, about relapse triggers and uh, what are some important things to remember. And you were sharing with us about uh, community and relationships and how important it is to connect. So... Absolutely. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the um, biggest relapse triggers, I think, is that continuing to, for anybody across the board, um, but continuing to experience or participate in behaviors um, that have a high degree of risk associated with them, whether that be um, in relationships, whether that be um, in, uh, you know, uh, 
not coming into some self-acceptance about who you are um, and having that be okay and being in a community that supports that. Um, uh, it could be family dissension or family conflict and, and how to address that without um, personalizing it or taking it on as your, as your truth because it's not your truth. Um, and then also, you know, high-risk sexual behaviors, you know, looking for, um, looking for emotional fulfillment um, through uh, high-risk sexual behavior. I, I see a lot of that with clients sometimes is that they will continue to make choices about um, who they get involved in relationships with um, or practicing um, behaviors that um, could be uh, cause them to be exposed to, you know, I mean, unprotected sex, um, having multiple sexual partners or getting into um, a relationship too soon, um, having relationship after relationship and not um, spending t enough time with themselves to uh, deal with whatever issues that they have and um, basically becoming addicted to something else. Um, while uh, even though it's not drugs and alcohol, they've just switched into another behavior that disconnects them again um, from uh, their spirit and disconnects them from everything and everyone around them. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. those are those are definitely things. And then as issues come up in recovery, being willing to uh, uh, look at those and work your way through them and process through them. Um, and that definitely requires um, a supportive system, um, a, a peer support system, not just family and friends that you've had for many years, but learning how to make new, new friends um, who are also in recovery and walking a similar path as you and going in the same direction. That's great. I'm going to ask you, to, to, back in the beginning of the program today, you talked about how you were four years in recovery before you came out. And uh, you talked certainly about wholeness and about the importance of, of being uh, proud of who one is and so forth and, and self-worth and self-esteem. Could you share with us a little bit about how it changed your recovery when you came out? Um, how did your life shift? Oh, my gosh. Um, my, <laughs> and I say that uh, with an exclamation point at the end because it changed radically. Um, and by that, not only did it change externally, but, the, um, but I felt very radical on the inside. Um, the internal change was, um, I can say for the first time in my life, I finally had come into my own. Um, I was no longer searching for who I thought people wanted me to be or who I was supposed to be or I was supposed to fit into this mold. I was who I was. Um, I, you know, I'm a lesbian. That is it. There's no more discussion about it. Um, it's not kind of sort of maybe or for this period of time or because I just met someone and I think they're really cool. This is who I am. And what's interesting is about um, a year before I, I fully came out, because I have to say it was a process. Um, you know, I, I went out and got a lot of books about coming out. I joined a, a coming out group called Sprout. Um, I talked to a lot of different people. And um, I, it was important for me to understand everything that I could about being a lesbian and, and being a member of the gay community um, and what that meant for me. Um, and I was in um, a support system that embraced that with me. You know, it was safe for me to do. Um, there were people there who um, let me process through whatever challenges I needed to and continue to love me through it. And I felt Closer to my, I felt closer to God for the first time in my life, the closest that I'd ever felt, and that's continued to evolve and, and grow exponentially. Um, I felt true to who I was. Um, I felt no fear about being that. Um, for the first, like I said, for the first time in my life, it was the first time I could truly be authentic, and um, mm -hmm. it was it was it was just uh, such a feeling of freedom. It was, um, and it was, and I knew that something dramatic was going to change, that, that I was going to, that I was going to come out and, and state the truth of who I was and live my life in that way, that I was not going to um, try and be what I thought either society said I should be or my family or other people or whatever, um, you know, idea that I had that I thought I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. 
and um, and certainly uh, that is it's pretty much been that since then. You know, mm-hmm. and and I feel very comfortable in that. And you know, it, if other people have a problem with who I am, that's not my problem. Now I can right. help you find a solution. I mean, I can talk with you. I can I can certainly um, you know that's just that's not all of who I am. You know, um, mm-hmm. so it, it happens to be you know my, an identity that, that I have, but that certainly doesn't make up the whole of who I am. Um, but I have but my fear around not being anything but um, authentic today is um, pretty well gone around that stuff. And I'm grateful for that. That is, that is definitely um, a a blessing. For sure. And how does all of what we're talking about affect your spirituality and, and uh, what would you share with us about spirituality uh, in the LGBT community? And I know you brought up the issues of a lot of times problematic with church attitudes and so forth. And so, um, how's all that um, sense of self and worth and such and wholeness, how's that tie in with spirituality for you and, and whatever else you have to say? <laughs> how does all that fit together? Um, that, that, could be another, <laughs> that could be another whole year of programming. Um, oh, good. You know, That's good. <laughs> I appreciate you asking me that because, you know, I think um, there, and, and here's the thing, there, there are many day-affirming churches many gay-affirming churches if, if, if somebody belongs to a Christian faith. Um, and there are a variety of other, um, you know, gathering places within, from a, within a religious framework that accept LGBTQ members within their religious framework. Um, and there are also um, several places um, that are spiritual in nature where people can gather. Um, so it's not that they're not out there. You just have to um, be aware of them and, and, and seek them out and seek them out because they do exist. Where we are affirmed, where we are accepted, where um, our relationships are supported, and all the things that we want happen. Um, I think that also um, it is a matter of connecting the head and the heart um, and knowing that, just like your affirmation said, that you are um, a beautiful creation and expression of God. You know, I believe that we are created to be exactly who we are, um, (laughs) gay or straight or otherwise. And um, in that truth, I have the choice as to whether I want to step into that truth and live an authentic life or not. I don't believe that I can be sober in recovery and have a fulfilling life unless I live in the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that looks different for different people. I think it takes time to come to that for people. Um, some people do it very quickly. Others, it, it takes longer. And that's fine because everybody's path is individual. Um, and like I said previously, the relationship with the God of my understanding is much more open today. Now, that de- certainly doesn't mean that within my... Um, spiritual uh, growth that I haven't um, looked at um, a God of my understanding from a feminine perspective, from a masculine perspective, from a non-human um, perspective, you know, mm-hmm. as, as, as spirit. So I think it, it offers us an opportunity to a, accept that we are created in a state of grace um, and that we're exactly who we are. Um, and that there's no shame in that. And also, I think that drawing closer um, and growing, A, not only within a relationship with the God of our understanding, if that's where we're going or having a spiritual, having a full and spiritual life, is being able to give and receive in love. And if I am blocked from doing that because I have fear about who I am and the truth of who I am, then I stay isolated from others. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think really that's what it ultimately comes down to is that. Um, do you want to live in a place of love or in a place of fear? You know, and that, and, and it really is that simple for me. Um, and you know, when I, when I work with people and, and, you know, talking with people, we all kind of come down to that same conclusion. It's like, am I living in a place of fear or am I living in a place of love? Because when I'm in fear, there's no room for spirit to work in my life. If I'm in love, then not only am I able to give, but I'm also able to receive, you know, in such a way that, the truth of who I am is lovable. And that's really what we right. want, I think. At the end of the day, we want to be loved for who we are, exactly as we are. You know? Yep. And um, 
being in recovery and standing in the truth of who we are gives us an opportunity to experience that daily, you know, if we're willing to take that risk. Right. That's fantastic. With um, just in our, we just have a little bit of time left here. Um, share with us a bit about what the peer support community is like for LGBTQ people. Lisa, is a, what's, is it a, helpful? Is it not helpful? Are there special groups or what? What, what do people need it's, to look for? Um, it, it, it's all of the above. It can be not helpful um, in terms of going to places, seeking out assistance from um, resources that are not understanding. And, again, that would be resources that um, are not accepting of, of the LGBTQ community. Um, but uh, a good place to start is if you look at 12-step programs. Um, multiple 12-step programs um, have what they call special interest groups, and they, those are groups that are designed specifically for LGBTQ, the LGBT, LGBTQ community, excuse me. Um, and um, not only that, but uh, where the majority of people who go um, are uh, within the community. Um, and there are also several different, several different straight groups that, you know, really it's not an issue. You are who you are, um, and there's no discrimination present. Um, so, but there are, you know, LGBTQ specific types of 12 step groups. Um, they usually fall under the name of Lambda or Rainbow, or they have something in, in, in the title, um, or they specifically will say that they are for the community. Um, and you can usually ac- you can usually access those, um, either online, um, looking within your own community. Um, you can go to the, the various 12 step, uh, websites. Um, and they will let you know that there are also several conferences that happen, recovery conferences that happen across the country yearly. Um, they are uh, usually have rainbow in the title, or they're around in Texas. They're around. It's called a roundup, um, mm-hmm. where it is a gathering specific to sober members of the LGBTQ community, um, also family and friends through um, you know other support groups. Um, that come together um, over, you know, a few days, a weekend, or um, a holiday weekend that, um, you know, they have, it's like at any other recovery conference, but they talk about um, issues in recovery specific to our community. So there are lots of resources out there. Um, a good place to start is with your community, um, your, your community resource center. Um, mm-hmm. And again, um, you can go to uh, pretty much most 12-step, different types of 12-step groups, having either um, a, a, a group homepage or an intergroup homepage um, that you can go to and find a meeting with LGBTQ in the title. That's wonderful. Our time is up, unfortunately. And Lisa, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. It was a great program, informative, heart-opening, um, makes a big difference. Thank you, Lisa, for being uh, oh, so you are and sharing I'm this with us. Thank you. It's great. Our topic today was Building Pride, Recovering the LGBT Community. My guest is Lisa Henson, and we've had a great program. Remember that this is Recovery Month, so find a recovery activity um, out there and engage in celebrating recovery. And we'll be back next week here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. 
As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.